Nope. Okay, so John and Jen took uh, about 7,000 teenagers to meet 15,000 other teenagers down in Georgia for the sole purpose of worshiping God. It was just an absolutely crazy thing. If there's something to pray for, with all the, all the chaos and everything going on in the world, man, when you got a couple busloads of teenagers and all they want to do is get together and worship the Lord, that's a, that might as well be somebody being raised from the dead, in my opinion. I mean, that's just a powerful thing. And, uh, I, but I just want to take a second just to thank, publicly thank John and Jen, dude, for everything they do, man. They work their butts off. Jen runs the show, okay? And I'm, I can speak for John. John, uh, I, we just talked about this the other day. Jen runs everything organizationally, hours during the week, um, the teams, the, all the stuff John teaches and leads uh, the students from a teaching standpoint. Collectively, they run the ministry together. It's just a powerful thing. Uh, they don't get paid a dime. They've never asked for anything. They just give and give and give and give and make sacrifices. And, and it's just a powerful thing to see the Lord using people like that uh, at this house. So I just, wanna, I just want us to just congratulate them and thank God for them. But um, apparently they thought I was seven foot five. <laughs> um, it's probably too short now. I just want to take a minute. We're going to do something very different today. It's too short. Um, it's cost like $12. Um, basically, the Lord laid something pretty heavily in my heart, uh, but I, I didn't want to talk about it, to be honest with you. Um, and in the first service, I didn't really address it and basically just operated in direct disobedience of what I felt like the Lord put on my heart and the way the Lord told me to do it. And for that, I ask your forgiveness. And, um, but I just felt, I felt, just, felt God just bring severe conviction to me in between the services. And so I'm going to come out and I'm going to share it now with you guys. So congratulations. Um, <laughs> but the, the heart of this, every now and then we'll do this. We call it coffee with the pastor. This is actually tea mixed with Red Bull. So <laughs> sugar-free Red Bull because I'm healthy like that. But um, no, I just want to take a minute, and I just want, I want to share my heart. I want to share something the Lord's laid on my heart. Uh, we're starting a, a new series today. Um, this series will be a longer series. It's going to be maybe six weeks. In three weeks, um, Taylor, Pastor Taylor, our worship pastor, he's going, to come and, he's going to come and preach. It's going to be within this series. Uh, I'm going to tell you something else about Taylor. Dude. Taylor is just an incredible leader. I know y'all get to hear him sing sometimes, but he's so much more than the songbird of our generation. Uh, he is a... That's a it's a comedy movie that all the real Christians probably never saw, but um, he just does so much, man. We have such a crazy team, and um, I think God's got a lot of cool stuff in store over the next three or four weeks, and the heart of this series um, is to, we, we call it different things in the past, you know, alignment or realignment or recalibrate or basically we just kind of come together as a family because I believe that's what we are. Uh, and we just kind of we make sure we're all on the same page. We're all on the same path, headed the same direction, doing what God's called us to do. And, um, and ultimately that, that's the heart of this series. And there's going to be, there is going to be some really cool stuff we're going to talk about. Uh, and we're going to start instituting and doing even stuff during the week, uh, via digital, uh, tunnels and, and communication lines and stuff, and I think it's going to be a powerful thing. But uh, today, I'm going to start it off uh, with this, this, this thing that the Lord has laid on my heart. And, you, and you'll see maybe why I was so uncomfortable with it here in just a minute. But um, ultimately, and, and this, it's up there, but you don't have to, don't, 
don't show it to anybody. Um, it's, well, I mean, it's scripture. If you want to show the Bible, you can show the Bible. But um, I'm not going to go through it all like I did in the first service. It's just there was a, there was a promise it's, it, it, that Jesus made about the church. Uh, it's just a powerful thing. And, and he asked the disciples, he said, who, who, do you say, who do people say that I am? This is in Matthew 16. Who do people say that I am? And I think Matthew 16, 13, they replied and said, you know, some people say you're John the Baptist. Some people say you're Elijah. Some people say you're one of the other prophets or great teachers or, you know, everything else. And he looks at them and he says, who do you say that I am? Uh, and Simon Peter spoke up and this was the first true declaration, confession and faithful statement um, of Jesus. And, and, and theologically, I believe this was really the first time uh, that someone was truly saved by faith in Christ. Uh, and Simon Peter uh, responded and said, you are the Messiah. You are the Savior. You are the Son of the living God. Uh, you are the Christ. Um, and um, Jesus said, this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but revealed to you by my Father who is in heaven. Uh, and then he said that uh, he there's this one statement, and he looks at Simon, and he gives him a name change and calls him Peter. And then he says, on this rock, I will build my ecclesia, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it or prevail against it. Um, and and the, there's a lot of power, a lot of beauty, a lot, a lot of significance in this one statement. But the one I just want to share with you this morning is that, that promise, I will build my church, or in, in, in the real Greek, in the true language, I will build my ecclesia, which is a, different than our idea of church. You know, uh, church is usually in our minds, it's a building, it's a place of worship. And I spent way too much time on that in the first service because I was trying to cowardly, instinctively use too much time so I wouldn't have enough to talk about what the Lord wanted me to talk about. So uh, I'm a horrible coward. So anyway, the the deal is, is that, that the word that he used is ecclesia, and it literally means a gathering or a movement of people. Um, it's very powerful. It's a political term, really, that this is the way it was used most of the time. And when people would come together and they would gather together around an idea or around a concept or around a leader, we still see this today, that the Republican Party, the Democratic Party, the Independent, the Bernie Sanders Party, the Clinton Party, the Trump Party, whatever. It, you, people gather together in, in accordance with a belief or an idea or a leader. Uh, and that's what an ecclesia was. That's what a gathering was. And so Jesus responded to the disciples. And this is the first time that he laid out the long-term plan of, of what he wanted, what he was coming to do in terms of, of this realm of his purpose. And he said, I'm going to build a church. I'm going to build an ecclesia. I'm going to build a gathering. I'm going to build a movement. And this movement, he said, I'm going to build it on the rock. Or I'm going to build it on this statement that Simon Peter had just made, this declaration that I am Jesus Christ, I am the Christ, I am the Savior, I am the Messiah, I am the Son of the living God. I've come, uh, you know, as John 1.1 says, I, uh, the Word was uh, with God in the beginning and was God. And John 1.14 says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among men and came full of grace and truth that basically saved the universe, reintroduced humanity back to God and, and you know, saved the entire galaxy. It's kind of a cool thing. So, but he said that I've, I've come to build the church of this ecclesia, this gathering built around this idea. And then he promises that I'm going to build it. It's going to be so strong. It's going to be so powerful that not even death itself could ever wipe it out. Meaning that this thing is going to grow stronger and stronger and stronger and larger and larger and larger throughout the generations. And not even death is going to be able to slow it down or stop it. Uh, mean, basically mean we are unstoppable. Uh, and the reality of it is this was not a promise to us as much as it was a promise about us. We are that church. If you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, if, you've, if you believe you've had that same declaration that Peter had, uh, and you've, you've put your faith in Jesus and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then you're part of that gathering. You're a part of the movement. Uh, and the promise is not necessarily to you, but it's about you. That you are what you're a part of, your life, your, your 
part of this thing that he calls the Ecclesia, the gathering, the church built under his name, uh, and we're unstoppable, we're unbeatable, uh, death can't even stop us. We will expand light in the darkness, city on a hill, uh, change the culture, change the world around us. Uh, I love this promise, and usually I want to deliver it in some brave heart fashion where I yell and scream and get everybody excited, and that's what I try to do in the first service, but you can try all you want, but like the song we just sang, if God's not with you, it's just nothingness. Uh, and, and so I, I don't want to concentrate on that, but I, I, I want to take you to a scripture because the way that Jesus builds his church and the way that Jesus strengthens his church and the way that Jesus uh, equips the people, the movement, and makes it strong so that the gates of hell and death and the enemy can't overcome it, there's a very specific set of ways that he does that. And I want to talk about one of those ways today. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, the Bible says that Jesus did a lot between when he said it was finished on the cross and when he ascended to the Father. Uh, there was a lot, namely saving the universe. But there was more than that that he did in that moment, in that place, that he basically said he went down. He kind of had this thing with you know, death and took the keys of death and did a bunch of stuff. But it said that as he descended to take the captives or to take um, those who died before the cross up, uh, in faith, it said that he left behind something. It said that he left behind gifts for his church. Uh, and a lot of people will mistakenly not read down further, and they will, they will think that the gifts he's talking about here are the same gifts that they're talking about in Corinthians and, uh, and other places and gifts of the Spirit and everything like that, and they're not. Uh, the gifts that he left behind were actually people. Uh, not people that he gifted, but actual people that he's called. And so uh, he, in verse, Ephesians 4.11, this is what he says. He says, so... Christ himself gave, he's talking about giving something to the church, to this movement, to the ecclesia, to the people. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. And their call in life, their position, their purpose, part of who they are, uh, these apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, is to equip his people for the work of ministry or the work of service, uh, depending on the translation. And so this is what he said, I'm, I'm, the way I strengthen the church, the way I build the church, he goes, I've left behind this, these five different types of, of people uh, with certain callings on their lives and, and, and abilities. And, and it says the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, and they all operate differently. Um, and you can, you can operate in one or the other, it doesn't matter. But he, it, it, it says he takes these things and he's giving them to the people, giving them to the movement, and that these, their calling in life, their role in life, their position in life, is to equip the rest of the movement to become, build up, and become that unstoppable movement that not even death can, can overpower or conquer. Uh, and it, in the, the thing that we will focus on at some point, we'll talk more about it, that these five things are God gives to equip his people, prepare his people for them to do the works of service, for them to be the light into the world, for them to be able to father and mother children, raise children, disciple children, handle marriages, go through life, be a light in the world, be a light in the workplace, uh, you know, find out who they are in life and do the things God's called them to do to change the culture around them in their facet. So the way that God design this thing is that there is a there is a group of people that their position and their their calling in life is to equip the rest of the movement so that the rest of the movement then can go out and change the world around them does that make sense so in the american church though we got this backwards we we what what it is is that you guys the people come in and that there's there you get, we get it wrong in two ways one, we make it all about the, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher. We make it all about the guy who sits on the stage. 
Okay? And, and we make it all about him and we build it all about her, build it all about them, whatever. And you, and you take it and it's all about coming and seeing and coming and hearing and coming and listening and coming and doing and coming and getting filled up and do this and do that. And, and we make it all about the guy. We make it all about the girl. We make it all about the, the position. That's horribly wrong. The second thing is, is we, we, in the flip side of that is we believe that the, when you're called to ministry or you're called to, to work in the ministry, you're called to build up the house, you're called to build up the kingdom to be the light, that the way I think if the American church were to write this now, currently, the American church would write it like this. Uh, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to go do the work of the ministry. But that's not, that's not, that's not the church. That's religion. The way that God instituted his movement is that this group of people would lead and teach and prepare and equip the people so that the people would go out and change the world around them. And somewhere along the way, we've, we've, we've many, most, I, I believe a lot, uh, and especially in our American culture, we, we've lost this reality. And we, we've, we've done several things. And this is the part I'm transferring into the part that, that I, for some reason I struggled with because I think it has... De- it has more to do with me than I would ever like it. I, I, and what we do is, is we come in, and I want to. I want to be very. I just want to share my heart just for a minute. We we take these these positions of these people, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and we do we do two things, and both of them are incredibly unhealthy for the church. Both of them are very unhealthy for the the gathering, for the movement, for the people, and both of them are very unhealthy for the person that it is. We, we do one of two things. One, we put them on a pedestal and we, we start to associate our relationship with God through the man or the woman rather than God himself. We do this constantly. We do this all the time. And, and I believe this, and this is not a judgment on everyone and everything, but we do this because we don't have a very strong relationship with God. And so when a, a man or a woman stands before you who does have a strong relationship with God and they speak the truth and that truth hits you and changes you and affects you and changes your life, you do the natural thing. You associate that change. You give way too much credit to the microphone, to the vessel rather than the source. And you attach yourself to it. And you want to be around it, and you want to talk to it, and you want to touch it, not in weird ways, and you want to, you just, you want, you want to connect yourself. And so what this looks like in the American church is it turns uh, the leaders, because we are not in China, and because we are more like Laodicea in Revelations than anything else, because we have a lot of comfort, because we have a lot of wealth in America, because, we have a lot, because we're in the culture that we are right now, uh, I, I can get up here on this stage and it, it's very easy for me. There's no risk. There's no cops waiting outside to arrest me or beat me or kill me. Currently, I, don't, I think this will eventually change, but currently the government's not uh, actively trying to snuff out Christianity currently. Right, so it's easy for me. There, there's not a lot to lose, you know, to be this. And, 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 and what we do is when we lift these people up, we do two things. One, we weaken our own relationship with God. We, we weaken the movement and we weaken the ability. And we also set up the, the dude, the person to fail miserably because you place on them the responsibility that only God himself can hold. And so one of the things that, that, that is, it happens always, and, I, and listen, I want you to know my heart. I, I want you to know my heart. I want you to know my heart. I love you guys with all my heart. I mean, you, I could not put into words how much I truly love you and how much I pray for you, even though I've never met some of you. And, and the more that God moves and the more that God grows and the more that God expands, the more I'll never get to meet. And that's okay. 
one of my favorite things to do when the church was younger was to meet people and to hang out with people and to go over to their house and have dinner with them and talk to them and, and, and just meet them and hear their story. I love hearing their story of what God's doing. I love it. Uh, but we're at a place now to where we can't really do that. And people get there, and it's been on and off for years now. It's been more and more difficult. People getting their feelings hurt. And, you know, and I want to be able to, I haven't got to meet the pastor, and I want to be able to do this, and I want to do that. And I, I want to come, and, I, and this is the part, one of the things that I struggle with saying out loud just because I'm weak. All right, just because I still struggle with fear and I still have insecurities and I, I'm just a, a man. But the reality of it is, is that what you want from me, I'll never be able to give you. And you want to meet with me and you want to tell me stuff and you want me to talk, and you want me to solve your problems. And I promise you right now, my job is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. And it's the Holy Spirit's job to comfort you. It's the Holy Spirit's job to teach you. It's the Holy Spirit's job to be the paraclete, as Jesus put it, the advocate to come next to you in this life and to walk you through that. It's my job to prepare you and to teach you so that you will understand that reality. I read a, a, a book when I was younger, um, seven or eight years ago, and I wanted to know what's ahead. If God begins to move and the church begins to grow, what are some of the stumbling blocks that are going to be in our way? What are the things that we're going to deal with? And one of the things they said, the reason, the biggest number one reason why the American church starts to shrink or hits a ceiling and can't grow beyond a certain point is because the people don't allow the pastor to operate in his giftings and in his callings. And they put on him a responsibility that he should never have. Like he needs to be at the hospital every time someone's sick. It's impossible. He needs to be, every time me and my wife have a fight, he needs to be able to answer the phone and talk us through it. No, you need to grow up in your faith and learn how to walk in holiness and righteousness. Every time I have a bad day, I need to go spill it out. No, you need to learn how to pray and to find strength in the Lord and the presence of God and the Holy Spirit. I need the church because I don't have time because I've chosen to live a different life. I've chosen to buy things I can't afford. So I'm trapped in my job and got to work 90 hours a week. I, I need the church and the pastor and the youth ministry to disciple and raise my children. Absolutely not. That's your role and you'll be held responsible for that. In fact, there's nothing, there's nothing that I could give you greater than the information I'm giving you right now in this very moment. To tell you that the whole, God sent the Holy Spirit. This is how powerful the Holy Spirit is. Jesus said, I need you to go and change the whole world, Simon Peter and the rest of the disciples. I need you to go and I need you to be the light in the world. I need you to preach and I need you to teach and I need you to raise up and I need you to perform miracles and I need you to, I need you to go and I need you to change the world. And we think that, that the word go was the last thing that Jesus said. The last thing that Jesus said was stay. I need you to go, but I need you to go stay in the upper room until the Holy Spirit comes because you're not going to do jack without the Holy Spirit. And that's the same thing true in your life right now. That's the same thing true in your life right now. You need a relationship with God, not a relationship with me. You need a relationship with God, not a relationship with the pastor or the preacher or the teacher that you listen to the most. You need a relationship with God, not a relationship with Cliff, our men's director. You need a relationship with God, not a relationship with Terry, our women's director. You need to learn how to consume this word and not depend on the once a week word that you get from this stage or you get from a Wednesday night or you get from an online service. 
This is what empowers the movement. The movement is not unstoppable because it's got rock star heroes leading it. Have you ever read the Bible? The church is unstoppable because each individual has the God of the universe working in them and through him for his own good and his will. And this is the reality. And people get offended. And listen, there are people that are come and their hearts are good. And then there's other people, frankly, you're just entitled. You, you, you feel in your heart and your mind. You grew up in a church where the church was built to serve you. That's not what the church is. That's American religion. And I've, people have left the church because they've wanted to come meet with me and not been able to do it. And I say good riddance. Because if I find out that you're in church, that you're saved and that you're a Christian and that your pride is getting so hurt that you're going to leave, you'll never make it here to begin with. It's a sin issue in our hearts when instead of placing Jesus Christ and our relationship with God on the highest pedestal of our life, that we take a man or a woman or another human being and then we put them up here. It's an American religious problem. And it's not just you guys. And it's not just us. It, it, it's, it's humanity. It's where we are in our culture. And it's because there's not enough pastors that are willing to get up here and say what I'm about to say right now. I am called to be a prophet. That's my role in life. That's what I am. That's what I do. It's not, I, I'll never, and I've, I've said this before, and I need people to hear my heart. I'll never have a burden to go to Charlotte and feed the homeless people. I'll never have a burden for the homeless ministry that we do here in the winter times on Friday, not like, not like the people who run it. I'll, I'll never have a burden for marriage counseling. Uh, I, I'm, I, I don't, I, you just know. Just, no. <laughs> I'll, I'll never have a burden for student ministry the way that someone's called to be. I'll never have a burden to reach the people around you that you were. My burden, I have two distinct burdens that keep me up at night. That caused me to just weep in prayer before the Lord. The number one is that I have a genuine burden of the idea of people not finding Jesus Christ and spending eternity separated from him. That's a burden that keeps me up at night. That's a burden that I would give everything in my life for. That's a burden. It's the same reason why Paul said I would go to hell myself if I knew that it meant all of God's people would go to heaven and be with the Lord forever. And the closer that I get to God and the more that I walk in that, the more that I believe that. And the bigger and stronger that burden gets in me. I don't truthfully, I don't care if your marriage falls apart, if in the process of that disaster, you find Jesus and your eternity is secure forever. This is why Jesus said, if your eye causes you to sin, cut it out. Better to go into eternity with God with one eye than to hell with both eyes. Now that, that's a, it's a it's, please don't cut your eye out. Now, I believe in all those things with all of my heart. I lead them, I fund them, I help them, I try. But my burden, my, the greatest thing that keeps me up at night is that your kids, your wife, your husband, your parents, the people around you, that they don't come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And the second burden, tied for first with that one, is being this thing that, that God calls a prophet. Now, we get, things get spun and get weird, and people are morons in this life. They're just idiots. And they take words, and they make future things that prophet tells the future. No, that's not what it means. That if this is that, a prophet literally, the word literally just means it speaks forth the mind of God. 
The difference between a teacher and a prophet, and I'm going to tell you the same thing. A teacher is someone like, I mean, I, I think you can operate in different things, but I'm going to tell you two teachers that I know of and love with all my heart, and that's Cliff and Terry Broom. All right, these guys, they can take any scripture at any moment and they can teach it and powerful things can happen. That's, that's what a teacher does. Now, I'm not saying that they're not operating in one of these other things, but I know for a fact they're called to be teachers and they're just gifted at it. And I'll teach sometimes and I'll preach sometimes and I'll do different things. But a prophet is different. A, pro, a, a prophet, the way that it operates is the Holy Spirit will not just take a scripture, but take the very scripture that needs to be spoken in that exact moment for that exact group of people in that exact room. It, speak for, it speaks forth the mind of God. And it's different. Very similar, but it is different. And I want you to understand the reality of what that is. That means that every seven days, the thing that I'm called to do in life is to come stand on this stage or sit today and speak forth the mind of the creator of the universe. Now, if, you're, if you don't know my heart, you'll think, well, he's just, he's just saying a lot of good things about him. <laughs> no, what I'm telling you is, is that is a burden that is so heavy I almost can't carry it sometimes. I will stand before God one day and I will be held to strict judgment based off how I handle the reality of what God has called me to in this life. And to be able to stand before you week after week after week after week and share with you this word in a way that actually brings effect means that I have to, every seven days, me, myself, has to disappear and become nothing but a microphone for the Lord. And that is not something that's done in a day or in a moment. That's something that takes hours upon hours upon hours of prayer. That's something that takes time getting lost in His Word and digging deep. It takes a significant amount of me dying every day, week after week after week. And that is a heavy burden that is on me. And so I want you to know why I can't meet with you anymore is because I'm meeting with the Lord. Why I can't sit down and have coffee all the time is because I have to sit down in the presence of God. Because whether or not you get heard whether or not you're, you get your emotions out, there's, there's family, there's counselors, there's people, there's staff, there's teams, there's a thousand other people. And the reason you want to sit with me more than likely is because of unhealthiness in your own heart and your own mind. And you've, you've put something on me that, I don't, that I, I could, I'll never be able to give you. And that, that's, who, that's who I am in life. And if you have ever said in this room, or set in your car, or taking a jog and listening to any words that I've said, and any words that I've ever said that's changed your life, or affected you, or drew you closer to God, or maybe opened up God Himself to you, I need you to understand that was not me. That was the God who created you and loves you, operating through this horrible, fleshly, prideful, idiotic, stupid, jackass. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I'm like, guys, it's not no, Jordan, not you. So this is this is this is the reality of what we've been called to do, what I've been called to do. And and I want you to understand that. And I also want you to get this. I promise you that I love you so much that I will rip your heart out for you. 
and I'm not going to say their name, but there's been people on our very team and on our staff who've hated me for months because of something the Lord's put on my heart and shattered their whole world with. And I've had to walk through that pain knowing that one day I know that it'll work out. And it, it always does. But I, I bring that up to, to tell you this. I will never shy away from what the Lord puts in my heart and my mind. I will never let the culture dictate how we run things in this house. I will never let you and your dysfunction and the denominational junk that you grew up in and your religious entitlement, I will never let you, the culture, religion, or anything stop what the Holy Spirit is doing in this place. And I promise you that. And some of you, even right here in this moment, it bothers you that I would even say something like that. I do not care because I love you so much. And you can leave here offended. I need you to know at the bottom of every offense is pride. And if you're truly offended right now, I would encourage you to go and find a closet and pray until the Holy Spirit reveals to you what is causing that pride in your life. I love you so much that I spend so much of my time in prayer and studying. And I love you so much that I lead. I lead our team. I lead our group. I lead our people. That's what I do with my life. That's what I do with my time. And I also unapologetically have been called to be a husband and a father. And I will not sacrifice them. There is a scripture. You can clap. You don't have to clap. I don't care. There is a scripture that says if they cannot, if the man, it literally it says if, if the man, if the preacher, if, the, if he cannot manage his own household, how would he ever manage my church? And there's a stat that's floating around there and it's somewhere between 80 and 92%. Somewhere around there I believe is the truth. 90, I'm just going to say 92. 92% of people who start in ministry, full-time pastors, they get crushed by you, not the devil. They get crushed by the people. 92% of pastors who start in the ministry retire in a totally different career outside of ministry. The divorce rate is significant. There's a significant amount of pastor's kids who hate the church. I will never, under any circumstances, let that happen. There is a, re a reason why Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, who raised people from the dead, only had 12 people around him that he discipled. There's a reason why he disappeared time and time again just to get alone with the Lord. And I don't know where our arrogance come from to think that if Jesus chose 12, why we think that we could handle more than that. These are the realities. I believe that God is in this house. I believe that his presence is here. I think that it comes because there is a group of people who spend their life praying and obeying the leading of the Holy Spirit in this place. And I know that there are many of you who... The thing I love the most about this church is a huge portion of the people that go to this church never went to church before or it's been years and years and years and years since they've ever gone to church. But I know that there's a lot of people who grew up in church and you left a church and let me help you. You'll, you won't think about it, but you will naturally want to, what you left from, you will want to take the stuff that you left and you want to try to incorporate it here. And it's never going to happen. One, you left it. So just deal with that logic. 
This whole thing is not my idea. This was God's idea. What God's doing here and the way that God is moving, it's the way that it's supposed to operate. There's a reason why we have so many, there's so many nonprofits that have started out of this house. There's so many little ministries that have started out of this house. There's so many little groups of people that go and do stuff. There's so many Bible studies. There's so, there's so many things that happen. And other pastors and leaders, they'll call and they'll say, well, how did you start this? And how did you do this? And my honest to God answer, 99% of the time is I have no idea. Because they came up and they said, this is what the Lord laid on our heart. And we did the greatest thing we could do for them when they said, can you run this? And we said, no because God gave it to you, not us. And so the few that were faithful with that, their ministries and nonprofits all over this town and reaching as far as Africa. That's the honest God truth. Because God has called us to equip you to do the thing that God has called you to do. To be the husband, to be the father, the wife, the mother. To do the thing that God created you to do. And I want you to know, I I believe what God's doing here isn't special in a sense that it's different than everybody else. And God's here. People people call me all the time. and and God is here and he's doing something special, (laughs) right? Just because he's doing something special here doesn't mean what he's not doing at your place is special. That's just your own insecurities. Shut up, stop calling. But what God is doing here is special. It's powerful. Ultimately, because God is doing it. God is doing it. And I want you to know it's not me. There's nothing about me that is good. There's only one who is good, Jesus says, and that is the Father. Every ounce of goodness that comes in this place, every ounce of life change, every ounce of transformation, every ounce of blessing, every ounce of knowledge, every uh, person who's been saved, every marriage that's been restored, every addiction that's been broken, that is not me, Terry, Cliff, people, Taylor, Caleb. That is not the team. That is not the staff. That is the Holy Spirit of God changing your life. And you need to seek the Spirit. Read the Word. Consume it. And allow it to renew your mind, as Romans 12.1 says. So that you can walk in that transformed life that God has called us to. So that we can be that unstoppable movement that Jesus has promised would exist through the generations. So from this point forward, it's already very difficult, but I'm not going to be able to meet with people anymore. I'm just not. There's a significant amount of people that come to this church. And and just from the logic of time, I can't do it. It's impossible. But I want you to know that that's the way it's supposed to be. That the one that needs to comfort you is the Holy Spirit. And we've got, my dad runs all the pastoral care. He's the guy you want next to your deathbed, not me, I promise because I hate those situations. I'm going to walk in. Like, you see going to heaven? Good. See you there in a few years. There are other roles that exist. But the power of this scripture is that those other roles are you guys. Literally, it says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ 
you, the body of Christ, may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So my job is to equip you and your job is to build each other up through your various callings and roles and positions in life. And together, when we operate like God has instructed us, we will become mature, we'll grow, we'll be strong, and eventually we will attain the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And I can't even tell you what that really looks like, but I know that's what we want. And when the church, God lays out, when the church operates like that, they naturally become that light in the darkness. They just naturally become that city on a hill. They just naturally become the salt of the earth. And those in the darkness look in and they become attracted to what's going on in our lives. And then God saves them. This is our heart. This is what we've always done. And I just want you to, I want you to know, I want you to know my heart. I want you to do this because as something's changed, I feel like communicating the why is very important. And I want you to know I love you so much. And I believe that God will continue to raise people up to do crazy, powerful things. But I also want you to know that I'm just a man called to equip you. I deserve zero praise, zero honor. I deserve nothing. I'm nothing but a microphone, nothing but a vessel. Any life change that has taken place in your life it's God that's doing it. It's not me. You don't need me as much as some of you think you do. You need God. Above all things, you need the Spirit of God in your life. As we move through this series, there's going to be some cool things that we're going to do. I want to start doing a thing during the week called One Take Tuesdays, where I'm just going to get in front of a camera for 30 minutes and talk and put it out there. We use this to communicate the things that are going on with the building, uh, things that are going on, the team, the staff, our life, the things that God are doing. I would encourage you to start listening to it. We're going to start putting out blogs and books and continue to put out songs and ideas. We want to take these concepts, these ideas, these God things that equip His people. We want to make it available to you in every form and every fashion. And we want us to start growing together as a church, as a body. And allow the Holy Spirit to continue to lead us and to continue to do the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And ultimately, above all things, we want to come together as many times as we can in the name of Jesus Christ and just worship and glorify God the Father for all that He's done because He's worthy of every second of our lives. That's who pursuit is. We just want to do the things that God has called us to do. We want to love God, worship God. And in our heart of pursuing God, we want to pursue the people around us too. But that's who we are. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? I love you so much. I think that we are just at the beginning of what God is doing in this house. And if we will stay faithful, join together, 
we will always be that promise that Jesus made, that unstoppable movement that will change the culture around us. You guys will stay.